Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 67. We've got loads of good shit to get through today. We've got reviewing Tool in Berlin, the first, the first European show? First European right. show. The first European show of this tour. El went to see that. We'll have more on that later. El and I went to the All Points East to see if Bring Me the Horizon could pull off the big festival headline slot. Uh, before all that, though, don't forget that the latest issue of Metal Hammer magazine is out right now. It's a special edition issue dedicated to 1994, the year that metal went absolutely fucking mental and loads of classic albums that completely changed the genre came out. Uh, we've got Machine Head on the front cover. It's a world-exclusive interview with Rob Flynn about all the chaos that's been going on in the Machine Head camp. We also talk about some of the Burn My Eyes era union uh, uh, lineup reuniting. We talk about what that means for the future of the band. We talk about Burn My Eyes, of course, along with a ton of other stuff that happened in 1994. I'm talking stuff like Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, Korn, Pantera, Emperor. Uh, it really was an amazing year of metal. Uh, and the issue comes with an exclusive uh, 25 years Machine Head anniversary patch. You cannot get it anywhere else in the world apart from with Metal Hammer. And the 1994 poster pack featuring album art from some of the greatest albums ever made, pretty much. So that is out right now. In the meantime, I'm Mo, and uh, as you heard, I'm here with Elle and also Alice. How's it going, guys? Good, good, yeah. We're, we're recording on our brand spanking new microphone that we definitely didn't panically mm. try and work out about five minutes before we started recording this podcast. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. Um, Elle went to see Tool in Berlin... For the first date of their European tour. I did. So this is a bit of an exclusive, really. It's the first time. It's a tour review. The first time they played in Europe in 12 years. Fucking hell, really? Yeah. I knew they hadn't been to England in that long, but I wasn't sure if they'd not come anywhere in that. Pretty sure. In our fair continent. It's been 12 years. So it was a really good atmosphere. It was at the Mercedes-Benz Arena and... Everybody was just super hyped to be there. Obviously, people in tool t-shirts and just kind of all gathering and just getting really excited. It was really friendly. I think there was this general sense of just people have been waiting a long time for this. It wasn't older crowd. It was people sort of 30s, 40s, 50s. But, you know, I guess that's to be expected because they've been away for a while. Yeah. And people who were really into them got into them in the sort of 2000s, I guess. But it was just, yeah, it was a great atmosphere to be and everyone was super hyped for them to come on and they had a really cool stage set up. They came on and they had the seven-pointed star that you can see on the North American shows. Right. That's kind of their um, symbol that comes down from the ceiling. And they came on and they played Anima. And then after that, Maynard just went, Berlin. And that was all he said. The whole gig? <laughs> no, no, no. He, oh, he, right. he didn't say a lot, though. He just said Berlin. But obviously, if you've seen him perform before, you'll know that he doesn't do the whole kind of rock star thing, standing in the middle of the stage, being a frontman. He stands at the back, so he was on the back left, Danny was on the back right, and then Adam and Justin uh, take the front spots. He had kind of like red trousers and mohawk like he had in his old days, and um, was doing the kind of dancing he's done in recent years, where he's kind of sort of almost squatted down quite low and kind of moving to the music in that way so mm. um, a very kind of like typical setup for them really but it was just really cool to hear them come on and play a song having not seen them live in 12 years much in the way of an overall show like stage show yeah so I was just going to come on to that so they had um, just really good visuals because obviously you know Maynard is in the shadow he's kind of doing his dancing doing his own thing 
the guitarists are quite spotlighted. They had a lot of lasers on them, a lot of spotlights on them. And the main thing they had was six screens along the back, like long screens, which if it was videos that, if it was singles they had videos for, they showed the videos for those singles. And then there were a couple of times where these curtains came down. So there were two sets of curtains in front of the performers and they had all these projections on them. So a lot of kind of, again, like video-y stuff like they have with kind of the people um, being kind of creepy and weird and sinister and a lot of psychedelic projections as well. So it was kind of, you know, you could smell a lot of weed going around. <laughs> it was very much the kind of like trippy experience sort of a vibe where they had the screens going on and you know trying to create this atmosphere where people get sucked into the music rather than than there being a central focus of a person and of a frontman Mm. i was pretty excited because after enema and the pot they played parable and parabola which are my favorite so as soon as they started playing parable i was like oh that means they're gonna play parabola because i love the lead-in of parable and they're just building up to parabola so i was personally super hyped for that um, I, ha- I did notice a few times that Maynard was singing the notes lower, and I think that's probably just because he's a bit older now and he's sort of saving his voice. You know, he can't just do sort of massive screams or blow his voice out for a gig, and I'm not sure, you know, how good he is now at the high range thing. So there were a few times you kind of heard him singing lower, but it didn't ruin the enjoyment of it. It was just kind of something that he was doing. Right, okay. Uh, the new songs, they did those, uh, Descend, what the the internet has called Descending and Invincible or Warrior. They haven't got official names, they've just kind of been named online. Descending was... um, I didn't feel a lot for Descending, I'll be honest. I didn't really really feel much for it, but the light show was amazing. They had, like, three rows of red light on the floor. They had loads of, like, red and yellow lights from the ceiling. The star was glowing red. They had this backdrop in the screens at the back kind of showing the deserts and a lot of lasers that were kind of going impressively, you know, because it's an arena show going, it's about 17,000 cap, going from the back to the front of the venue to the back of the venue. So it, it looked amazing, but maybe it's just not because I'm, I'm not familiar with it yet. I wasn't like super kind of tuned into it, but yeah, yeah. it was cool to see. Um, and I think it might be one of those things that makes more sense when the record comes out. Okay. That's um, they The crowd obviously were like super into everything they played a schism and you could hear I could hear like I was sort of back right of the arena in the seats and you could hear the people at the front singing along to the song really yeah which was really cool um I was quite into the second new song actually Invincible slash Warrior that was really cool like Danny Carey's drumming on that is really amazing there's all these kind of different sounds and different ways of doing it and um the lyrics quite cool as well like the warrior um, just talking about being invincible and having the armor on, and um, it was quite funny because it's got about three false endings. It's like three. It's really, really long. It's like ten minutes or something. And you think it's gonna, you think it's ended about three times. And on the last time we thought it ended, like the whole room collapsed, like seventeen thousand <laughs> people, were like whoa, and then it just carried on. There's like even more to it. Wow. Which is quite funny. And then they just end it with the normal kind of tool chord like (laughs) it's really funny because it's just ended so many times but that was great it was like a real kind of journey of a song again they had loads of psychedelic colors on the screen there was a bit where danny just came off the kit and sort of did a synth part so it was was really like quite a long involved journey of a song i I really enjoyed that one i thought it was really interesting and then he was like he didn't speak very much but after that he said 
how many of you are under 26 years old? When we wrote this next song, you weren't even sperm yet. (laughs) That was quite funny, because again, you know, it was kind of an older crowd and they played Intolerance. And um, Justin, the bassist, was doing a little dance on the right of the stage in the middle of that. So it was that was cool to see it as well. Like they've been away for a long time, and people were kind of saying, "What's taken so long?" And Maynard was like, "It's not me. I've been a working musician. It's the rest of the band writing the music." But you could see on stage that, you know, at least Justin was having a really good time, and the other musicians seemed to be as well. And that's always good to see because you know you're kind of never really sure. Mm. with massive bands like that whether they're enjoying it or whether it's kind of getting the machinery going again so that was cool and what else oh they had um, an encore but they went off stage because Tool don't really do like that encore thing but they went off stage and they had this clock made of lasers which was doing a 12 minute countdown oh I heard about this yeah so I tweeted about it so they just had like this little digital clock counting down 12 minutes so obviously people and they kind of had these lights on at the front of the stage not the house lights but enough so that you could see so obviously people could go and get a drink and do whatever in that 12 minutes oh, I fully then support this idea on. I've got to <laughs> get a final beer in for the encore love but it. yeah it was pretty cool because you knew how much time you had and they're obviously they could have been in danger otherwise some people might have left I guess if they didn't really realise so they had a little encore clock that was cool and what else did they have oh then they came back on and Danny did like a massive drum solo and um, they kind of have a lot of lights and things but I'm not sure how that's going to go if they do it a download because it felt a bit like a lot of faffing around it didn't feel like massively coherent but it was cool to see him doing it it just didn't feel very kind of like yeah held together so in a festival situation I think you would lose people's interest so I'm not sure if they'll carry that on through to download or not but yeah. Uh, then they had um, <clears throat> Vicarious which is cool because that's a good song and then we weren't allowed to take any pictures all videos throughout the show. They had signs everywhere. They were doing announcements in German that it was banned. And most people obeyed it. You could see at all times, you know, probably like a few phones in the crowd. Maybe on the whole floor, there were like five to ten. But really, if you looked across the arena, it was mostly dark. People were genuinely just kind of enjoying it. And so even when he said at the end, people could get their phones out for Stinkfist, initially there was kind of this like, ah, and so people got their phones out because... It was almost like an instruction in mm. a weird way. But people seemed to turn them off. And even when people got them out, it wasn't a load of people. So I think a lot of the people there were genuinely quite on board with the kind of vibe of, I'm going to have an experience. I'm not going to use my phone. I'm just going to switch off and enjoy the music. It wasn't really a, a thing where people were desperately trying to get loads of sneaky shots or desperately wanting to use their phone. It was kind of like when we saw Perfect Circle. People actually yeah. went with it and... It didn't need to be police. People police themselves and that kind of thing. So, wow. yeah, it was good. Like the screens worked really well. The psychedelic effects worked really well. It's great to hear those songs after twelve years. So I think if people are going to go to download, they will be in for a treat. That's awesome. Good to hear. That was what I thought of it. Well, I had a good time in Berlin. Has it has it made you um, more excited? Like has it has it had an impact on how much you're looking forward to the album and stuff like that? I don't know because those songs are it's just hard to tell because they're online people have videoed them at gigs and it's really difficult listening to those recordings to actually hear what the songs are like because the recordings are so bad so it was nice to hear those songs in a live setting but hearing something once you can't really get a grasp on it I definitely like the second one the Invincible Moria one I think I'm going to really enjoy hearing that on the record Um, but yeah I have no idea I mean 
it's just really hard to tell but I'm excited for the return put it that way it's really good to hear some of those old familiar songs again uh, you know a lot of the people I, with, I was with were saying oh I had goosebumps on my arms for like the first 25 minutes and stuff and that's kind of how I felt when I heard Perfect Circle after such a long time like I said before on the podcast I just cried yeah. um, and I don't think I have quite as much of a visceral, react- visceral reaction to Tool because I feel a bit more distanced from the songs but I definitely feel like there's a lot of excitement and goodwill about the fact that people are hearing these things again that they've invested so much in and I think the new record if people are on board with it it's going to be massive yeah no doubt about it that's <laughs> so exciting. yeah I, I think it's going to be great um, well before you uh, kind of curious to see what happens really before you went and did that we went to All Points East we I've did that the way around, I? Yeah. it feels like a lifetime of a weekend. ago I know but if I sound tired that's why <laughs> I am enthusiastic <laughs> but I'm a little bit sleepy I'm not going to lie yeah Elle and I um, along with a good few thousand other people went to see uh, Bring Me The Horizon headline one of the All Points East dates at Victoria Park in London um, we talked about uh, before how um it will be an interesting experiment, not just because of the fact it finally gives Bring Me the Horizon a chance to flex their muscles as a as a festival headliner, but also because uh, it's it's kind of like a I don't know if token's quite fair, but it's a bit of a odd one out kind of rock and metal day on a very mainstream uh, festival lineup that runs across a few weekends. Um, when did you get there? Because you got there a bit before I did. We were both working that day. And then we headed down. And I think I got there about half three, four, something like that. I got. Did you get there? Bef- did you see like your to serve or anyone like that? No, because okay. I was finishing off before I went to Berlin on my trip. I heard good <laughs> things about them, but um, I got I got there about halfway through Idols set, and I watched a little bit of that. Um, not band we really cover on here, but kind of like punky, uh, indie-ish crowd band I guess yeah um, I mean it, it was what it was it's not really for me it's not for me um, <laughs> Steve Hill who <laughs> writes for Metal Hammer um, was raving about it afterwards so I think if you're of a certain disposition it was a good thing but anyway, yeah, it, was, it wasn't for me I'll be honest I hate it I've tried with idols <laughs> I have tried with idols because um, a couple of people who work here there's someone on our online team Bryony who's great and she's really into idols and I put the album on when it came out on repeat in my house and I listened to it probably about 10 times in one day because I was like people really like this and I want to know why so I was trying to like make myself like it I thought if I could get past the initial barrier of kind of the noise I might really find something in it yeah and I think the messages are good like they're very kind of I'm just gonna say woke they're sort of woke type messages of like feminism and politics and the overriding theme of the album is about it's kind of a message from well it's meant to be like a message for everyone but particularly for men of like loving yourself and it's joy as an act of resistance so in this world that we're in where lots of stuff's going to shit like the act of resistance is to love yourself is kind of the message mm-hmm. that's fair enough like you can't really like be against that because it's a decent message but i just can't stand the sound it's yeah. too noisy it's too discordant his <clears throat> voice is just really shouty and I say that sounded like an old person but I like a lot of I mean, it's very, I like a it's lot very, of metal and this isn't it's more punk and yeah it's exactly it's very it's very influenced by proper oi oi exactly and I'm so never going to get, get on board your bag, you're going to love him a lot I bet, I bet. Um, well in that case the first band we kind of went to see properly was While She Sleeps yeah, um, they were playing on the second stage, 
uh, yeah, it's quite. I mean, it was fairly standard. I was going to try and, try and comment on the, the like the structure of the festival. But it was a fairly standard festival, like big old stage at the back, and then you had um, the second stage, which most of the metal and rock bands played on, over to the side. And then there was the Jaeger House as well, which we went in, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but yeah, most of the heavy bands were on the uh, the second stage, and Sleeps um, were on there about halfway through. Well, kind of early evening, I guess. Um, I thought I thought they were good. I thought, I thought the sound didn't do them any favors. I thought they were really let down by the sound actually. Yeah, because um, it was just it was not just the festival sound of kind of things being swept away on the wind. It was genuinely just muddy, sort of muddy mix and quite bad sound quality. Yeah, but they were really good. Like they were really up for it. Seemed genuinely again like genuinely happy to be there. Really enthusiastic, and they've got some great songs. Like. I sort of forgot that I actually liked the new record. Like, hearing those songs was really awesome because they've got some massive hits now. And Ollie Sykes came on to do um, the song... Silent Speaks. Silent Speaks. He came on and that was really cool because they didn't announce him. He just came on stage and just just did his bit and then just banded off again. And I thought that was really cool, like, in terms of bands supporting each other and... There was a lot of bonus at this festival, actually, which we'll probably get a bit more into later. But, yeah, it was a nice little... Thing for him to do, you know, he's a, he's obviously due on stage for the biggest gig of his career in in about two hours from that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really wasn't it. expecting him to come out. Me I, either. I know that he's at the gig, but you think you'd be sort of like prepping, right? Yeah, and kind exactly. Of getting ready. I'm. Sh- I think it was while she sleeps as well. He said something like, "Oh, some band told us that playing this stage was rubbish, and the fans just stood there and didn't do anything, and the sound was really bad. But you guys are really awesome." And I was kind of like, "I think yeah, they were talking about the strikes day, weren't they?" Oh yeah, and I was kind of like, "There is a bit of truth in that because it didn't sound very good, and people were being a bit not very into it." But down the front, it was a different story. I think yeah. down the front, people who were were really caring about them and really going for it. So yeah, that was cool. I, thought um, the I think they were really good. It was just the circumstances weren't great with the sound. And yeah, definitely. Middle of the day and all that kind of stuff. Definitely. I think the sound didn't. Uh, yeah, like you said, do them any favors. Um, the new tracks again. We said this when they did the roundhouse. Seemed to get a really good reaction, which is cool. Um, I'm not totally mad on the new album, but it's good to see the the big songs off it uh, striking a chord with the right crowds and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we went our separate ways because I went to see you. You saw Architects, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I went to see Health. Yeah. At that point, so how did Architects do? Because brilliant. It, I, yeah, it was great because it was the same stage as While She Sleeps, but their sound was so much better. And by that time, obviously, it was getting a bit like darker and cooler, and the crowd was fantastic, and it looked really good as well. It's like they had um, almost kind of a proper stage setup. They had red lights on one side of the stage and blue lights on the other side of the stage kind of strip lights like horizontal at the back and vertical down the side and they were on the whole time and then they had like a load of orange lights for some of it so it was just this thing where it was like actually looked like a proper show it didn't look like some people just got on a stage in a field it looked like it was an architect show that's cool and um they played really well it's like it feels like they can just kind of bash out the songs now and just do them and have a good time with it rather than kind of they're thinking about doing it if you know what I mean they're very like well rehearsed now and playing those and they got quite emotional at the end as expected and they talked about Tom some more and um, got a little bit tearful and they sort of did a bit of a speech about not being afraid to show your emotions and things which is something they do quite a lot now I think they're very into using their platform 
to kind of put out that message that it's okay to feel things and all that. It was a bit of um, it was quite a sort of woke day in that respect, actually, between that and idols and, you know, I can't remember who else now. There seems to be a lot of sort of bands with messages, which I thought was quite symptomatic of the kind of day that it was and the kind of crowd that it was. Like, they're all kind of like younger bands from Mm. sort of the rock arena and... It does seem like there's more of that now than there used to be, whether or not you're into it or not. It can get a bit tiring, I think, having people sort of pushing stuff at you. But at the same time, if people need to hear it, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think anyone would be grudge architects talking out about that kind of thing because it's, you know, they've been through a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was really pleased that I went to watch them because it was just good. It was a good show. And that's cool. I'm glad they did glad that. Glad we sound, got that band. Sound problems either. Um, yeah, while you were doing that, I went to see Health, who is actually a band that Elle got me into this year, um, and is probably their new album, Slaves of Fear, it's probably my album of the year so far, to be honest. Um, they are, uh, on record, they are, I mean, it's just a fucking phenomenal album. They're basically like, I would say Nine, in, nine Inch Nails meets Lady Tron, if anyone knows who that is. It's kind of a elect- female-fronted electronic um, group from... Uh, Liverpool, and there's a reason I point out female fronted, which I'll explain in a second. Um, mixed with like little bits of Ramstein, there's sometimes some heavy riffage in there. And they're playing in the Jaeger House, which is this uh, like purpose built, um, I don't know what you call it, like it's a, like a barn or something, like a shanty town <laughs> kind of shack. It just looked like a giant barn, it was super yeah. weird. It had like a the venue and the stage on the ground floor. And then you could sort of go into the actual venue bit to watch, but you could also watch from the side that was half open, and there was also a balcony. To me, it felt like just a weird barn. <laughs> yeah, fair. I, I think that's fair. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they played in there, um, and they had, the, yeah, they had the, the weird thing where they opened up and yeah, pushed everyone in. Um, so, <laughs> it's really weird. When you first heard Health, and you got into them before me, did yeah. you know the singer was a guy? Yeah, no, I thought it was a woman. I thought it was a woman as well. Yeah. And it really, really <laughs> threw me for the first like 15 minutes when a guy came out on stage because the, the vocals are super processed and kind of vocoded. And uh, like I said, it's this kind of industrial electronic music. So they're, they're really high up, um, but they're basically fed through a like robot blender. So <laughs> I kind of androgynous androgy- androgy- in a way. But, um, a robot blender. I just, I just had it in my head it was a woman singing. And so when a dude comes out and starts singing, it just really threw me through for a little while. I was just like, hold on a minute. Is he actually singing this or is there a sample coming over or what's going on? Um, so that, so once I kind of got over that weird jarring thing, um, yeah, they were, they were really, really good. They're only a three piece as well. Hmm. I thought there would be more people on stage because it's just such a rich textured um, noise that they make. Um, but they had the guy singing who was also on guitar I think um, as opposed to bass a drummer and then shout out their keyboardist because like he really made up for the fact there weren't as many people on stage um, at that point because he was like programming little bits then running around headbanging like windmilling chucking his arms in the air um, coming back over to the his like little decks and just headbanging over them while he's twiddling, twiddling knobs and playing little samples um, I think he might have picked up a guitar as well at one point or another. I can't quite remember now, actually. But he was doing shit lights, basically. Uh, and he was great. And he had, like, long black hair, long, um, kind of looked like an extreme metal uh, long sleeve. Uh, like, big kind of typo negative kind of vibes from him. Um, and, yeah, they were just really, really cool. 
it seemed like quite a curious crowd as opposed to a, a super dedicated mad one um, which I can understand because they're a bit of an oddity on that bill in many yeah, ways yeah. Uh, but it was certainly heavy enough to make me think they could play any metal or rock festival they wanted to and I think with the right with their own dedicated crowd probably a little bit more from the industrial goth um, fan base I think they could they could absolutely crush it I'd want to see them with Code Orange yeah yeah, you could, yeah that's what I mean you could I've put them around. with Code Orange but you could also put them with um, I don't know Chemical Brothers or something they've been like, around for years though but yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know how I'd much I'd literally never heard of them until you talked about them I don't know how much touring they've done I know they've done like lots of soundtrack work for Max Payne and Grand Theft Auto and yeah like, so well. I don't know whether it's like um, I don't know whether it's something they sort of did more of a recording projects and less of a touring projects. I've never seen them before, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very very good. Um, and then I went to see Run the Jewels, who I loved to bits. I've said before, I love the fact they're getting booked for rock festivals. It totally works. They got mosh pits kicking off. Um, I mean, once you've heard like maybe three Run the Jewels songs, you've pretty much heard them all. They're all very one paced and simplistic but um live they're just so much fun uh i just i just would happily watch them at every festival forever so they're really good and then it came to bring me the horizon um so first of all i guess we should talk about the size of the crowd that they drew because there were a lot of free tickets going out in competitions last week there were some cut price tickets going around mm-hmm. people were speculating that it hadn't sold well um by the time bring me got on stage it didn't feel like a kind of empty field, but I I guess you could probably stand a bit more comfortably closer to the stage than you would at a regular festival headline set. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could it wasn't like, oh, fucking out, no one's here. see and get closer, but it wasn't completely empty. Yeah. Um, so what's the way should we do this? I feel like there's kind of two halves to how we talk about this set. Should we get the stuff that we weren't as keen on or a bit put out by out the way first um, obviously Ollie was miming a shitload a shitload um, like to the point where you're just like why are you even really bothering to pretend but yeah. I guess the point is he wasn't really bothering because if he was they would have made it more seamless yeah so, uh, and it was kind of like I don't think people necessarily care as long as he's there on stage yeah exactly it, but it's it's still a weird and jarring thing I think that it, with Bring Me The Horizon though you just have to decide whether you can hack that or not and it just felt like when you've got a front man who's kind of leading this, you know, massive, massive performance, you just, I don't know, it still jars a little bit to come out and then the vocals just aren't there. Or Jordan's doing it. I was going to say, the like, in the whatever. recent years, they've just done it with Jordan. So he'll just be doing the vocals, either backing vocals or he'll be doing the main vocal and sort of sounding a bit like Wally. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's... Seems always like massively talented. And it's an odd thing because Bring Me have obviously quite aggressively pushed this more polished, mainstream friendly sound over the last couple of albums. But what's so clear is that Ollie's so much better at the aggressive stuff and the screaming than yeah, he is at the singing. Yeah, as soon as they do with some of the old aggressive stuff, he just kicks into gear and yeah, he just comes amazing. out with the vocals and it just sounds really natural and like that's what he should be doing all yeah. the time. Yeah, it was. And it, and it was kind of. Um, yeah, so it's just a bit of a funny one, like because you'd have a couple of songs where, I mean, I think once again the Sepultura, the Sepultura era stuff just stands head and shoulders above the last couple of albums worth of material, and I really like Ammo, but um, as soon as they kicked into something like Shadow Moses, it was just like a whole different level, and you that could almost feel it across song. the crowd. That was the best song. 
I thought, of the set. Yeah, I'd probably go with that. I'd probably go. Although I did really, to completely uh, contradict myself, because Ollie's miming was A, like, shameless, and B, pointless on this one. Um, Nihilist Blues was fucking great as well. Yeah, I mean, It sounded so massive. Totally pointless miming. Um, but it sounded so good. Um, I thought the, yeah, the stage show was really cool, like... I thought for Crystal Nice Blues clear. actually, I thought they might bring Grimes on if not in person on like the visuals, like make her a robot or something uh, yeah, like, a, like a digital person because yeah, they had on the screens one, yeah. they had the sort of blue like visuals and I thought she might kind of appear from it in some way. But yeah, that's quite. Yeah, she, that would have been a cool effect actually. I, I thought the screens were generally like, amazing. Yeah, like, so crystal clear, it's actually mind blowing. Um, you know, it's like watching the world's biggest. 3D HD television. All so those visuals were fantastic. Yeah, they were great. Absolutely faultless. Uh, I wasn't sure about the dances. I enjoyed the dances. Did you? I yeah. thought you might. So they had like a troop of dancers. Why do you think I might like them? Because you just like... I, I just thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> no particular reason. I just kind of thought you might turn around and say, oh, I like that. I do, yeah. So it's like going to a pop show. They just had a troop of dancers who kind of came on and did various costume changes. They had like latex robot outfits. They were probably my favourite ones. Uh, there were ones. Oh, there was ones where they just came out with sheets over them, like ghosts. I really enjoyed that as well. I thought I'd like to dress up as a sheet ghost dancer. I can't remember what song that was though. Can you remember? Um, no. Being the ones, I mean. <laughs> Not specifically. The sheet ghost. It's probably like yeah, the Lois Front costume, but my favourite ones. Yeah. What did they first appear as when they first came out? I think they came out quite early. Yeah. Um, but they start. They started with Mantra, and, which yeah. was cool and worked. Um, uh, but it was really high energy, I thought, having all these dancers. And Bring Me had, like, a, a couple of costume changes as well. Some really Yeah, what do you think of Ollie's, like, Ollie's kind of crust punk suit? Yeah, I don't know, that was weird. I oh, mean, and the contact lens as well. That's the other thing I was going to say. He did a Marilyn Manson contact lens. Yeah, I had a milky lens. Which I wasn't too sure about. It was not quite... It was obviously the same as Marilyn Manson, but the actual lens was more of, like... It wasn't quite milky. It was more, like, bright, yeah. but, like, fucked. I think he looked like the way. The best way I think to think about it is, and I don't mean this patronisingly to younger fan bases, but as a thirty-two-year-old watching that, you can't help. As I'm sure people did when Manson did it, you can't help but just see all the things he's mashed together. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh yeah, they've got not he just him, but the whole band. You go, oh yeah, they've got this pyro, and oh yeah, it's those dancers like they had in yeah, this show. Yeah, it's a collage of cultural. Oh, references. he's got Marilyn Manson contact lenses, and he's got yeah. this kind of cool punk suit. Like, whereas. If you're seeing all that kind of show for the first time, and there's probably a lot of fans there that haven't been to a festival like that before, it's probably amazing. Yeah. Um, and I and don't have any problem with anyone channeling Marilyn Manson, obviously, because it's cool. And it was amazing. They put so much effort into that show. Like, yeah, you know, so much. More than I thought it would be there, actually. Uh, you know, they want a show they can headline, and I'm sure they're going for, like, download and bigger festivals and bigger shows and... It was like there was something to look at 100% of the time. Yeah. Like... Every single song has its own setup. It had its own visuals, its own dancers, its own stuff going on. And yeah, the band changed clothes a couple of times as well. Um, a lot of the '90s aesthetic as well. Obviously, like yeah. I just mentioned with Manson, but also <clears throat> some of the clothes the bands were wearing, some dodgy '90s fashion choices going on. But the bullet vest things as well. They came back out in. Yeah, but they've always been so good at trading on the zeitgeist, and '90s is in right now. Definitely. So the whole. I mean, it's great. I, I've not made a secret of the fact that I do like Bring Me and I was enjoyed every song. I thought they played, apart from the miming, you know, they played well, it sounded great. Yeah, it sounded always, incredible. Like I said, there was always something to watch and 
be involved with. And even though it's not kind of necessarily a genuine individual artistic statement, if you want to be wanky about it, uh, it was just interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, I thought it was, we talked about um, band supporting each other and there was a lot of that on Bring Me Set as well. Uh, Danny Filth coming out in that full Cradle best. of Filth course paint and costumes with, a, with a shopping that? trolley. How had I forgotten that <laughs> within like the four days that have passed? That was so awesome. Yeah, I mean, easily the highlight of the set for it me. because it was just for me as well. We, look, man, what, people have a lot of opinions on what Bring Me Horizon means to the metal scene and I'm not saying that this is now going to make 10,000 people go out and buy a Cradle of Filth record, but if you could have ever envisioned Danny Filth walking out on stage with a shopping trolley at a headlining set at Victoria Park, you would have been a bolder person than I. It was so It's one good. of the most nuts things I've ever seen at a festival. It wasn't just Look that. Look at the set list now. It's five songs in they did that. It's just it was, so cool. It wasn't just that. It was the fact that he came out, did his guest part, and then they just had like a fuckload of pyro and it went like metal. The yeah, song yeah, metal, yeah, yeah. Just the whole stage lit up and you were like, oh, if it, yeah, it's it got even better. Really, really cool. And they also brought out Sam Carter, who obviously played with Architects earlier in the day for The Sadness Will Never End. They haven't played that for a few years. Um, Ollie dedicated the, the song to Tom, which was a really awesome moment. Um, they both look genuinely stoked to be sharing a stage together again. And again, whatever you think of the fact that what bring me a mean to the metal scene now like that felt like a really important moment to see these two guys that have come up through the metal scene together sharing a stage that big in front of a crowd that big um, so that was really cool also brought up the guy from uh, Lotus Eater that was insane who I'm not sure was <laughs> totally prepared for that I'm not sure either he was uh, he seemed a bit overall. he seemed a bit wobbly yeah he seemed like which I you know <laughs> He played, Lozzy have probably played the biggest set of their career so far earlier that day in front of a few thousand people on the second stage. And then he gets plucked to, you know, in front of tens of thousands. It's, you know, it's quite a big upgrade and he seemed a little bit overawed, bless him. That was Antivis, wasn't he? Because yeah, was he Antivis, delivered the yeah. cunt line too soon. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he came in too <laughs> that soon. That was kind on of the sweet line. and like Ollie put his arm around him and sort of like yeah, pulled, like pulled him in a bit off. and was kind of like sang it again. But again, it's cool, you know, like people doubt Ollie's metal credentials and. He's just brought the guy from fucking Lotus here out on stage. Like that is a brand new for all intents and purposes, uh, all intents and purposes metal band, um, and he's given them a bit of a, a rub on stage at a big festival. So that's awesome. It, it, it definitely felt like a very celebratory night. I think. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I can't see what else they would have done with that show. It was just yeah, yeah it was it packed, was wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say overall, lifetime. Well, they definitely pulled it off. I mean. If you can get over the fact that, you know, there's miming in there and it's super polished and it's not going to be two hours of deathcore, then I think it's something I'll be up for seeing again, I think. I had a great time. I would watch that set over and over. Genuinely loved it. So yeah. Great. Definitely. But yeah, Sepaternal stuff was absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, Shadow Moses and all the rest of it sounded bloody brilliant. I had a little sing. Me too. It was a good time. Probably one my voice is still a bit hoarse now, so... We're all tired from gigs. A wonderful time of gigs. So, yeah, nice to bring time. me for their first festival headline set. It'd be interesting to see if um, one of the one of the bigger festivals, uh, you know, takes the gamble that everyone's been hoping for, for after that, so... I think they will. We will bloody well see what happens. Right, we have to spin through the rest of this podcast now. That was a, that was a lot of reviewing. Uh, in the news this week... Alice, do you want to talk about Rob Halford booting a phone out of someone's hand? 
sure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you, you haven't spoken for no. uh, what is now 35 minutes. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Rob, Rob Halford um, booted a phone out of someone's hand at the front of a, a gig, his gig. Jesus um, Priest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, apparently they were filming and he seemed to suggest that they were like impacting on the show in some way. Um, Did he say there's a lot of Some light was on the phone, so I think it was sort yeah. of probably getting in his face, I would imagine. I guess, maybe. And he said there was a statement that he put out that said something like, This is what happens when you mess with the metal god or something or yeah. inter- interrupt the share of the metal god yeah seems to be quite like yeah. what do you think of that this, this conversation keeps coming back around again if you're stood front row filming a band um, and you're potentially getting up in Rob Halford's face I mean, I don't know if that's true but I'm pretty sure someone said something about light being shone uh, is it fair game if you get, if you get your phone booted out your hand yeah I mean I don't think you should shine a light in someone's face <laughs> I don't think people should <laughs> so, be recording you know. the whole of gigs because it just it interferes with other people's experience very true as but well like, yeah people um, never really think about it from that point of view from the point of view of ruining other people's time because I'm really like conscious of if there's people behind me and if they want to see and when I'm recording anything you know, I'll try and just keep it to the minimum so like my favourite song maybe I'll record or like take a few pictures at certain points but um I also don't think that the front man of a band like that should be kicking anything out of anyone's hand. I think, like, it's just... I think it's kind of disgusting and it's assault and that person's probably lost their phone in the in the pit then. And he's got a platform right then. He could literally call them out in front of everyone and embarrass them. Mm. That's what I would do. Like, I think a lot of, like, rock stars kicking people in any way, shape or form just really pisses me off what about when it's actually on a stage or I'm not trying to justify if someone comes like jumps on the stage and tries to like take a selfie with bands and that kind of stuff just do something that's like harassment or anything like that fair enough you know protect yourself but attacking someone else just because they're doing something that's a little bit annoying when you could just stand there and say can you stop that and there are security there that can stop that person as well you don't have to kick someone you could kick them in it the face. Well, I mean, again, I'm not saying I would property. kick anyone's anyone's stuff, <laughs> but he is in the middle of a song as well. I'm just Literally wondering. Yeah, song. I mean, it was quite impressive. I'm just wondering it. if it's a hate the moment <laughs> thing as well. Like you know, if you see something annoying you, and if there's something like a light up in your face, and you're trying to do a show, there might just be a bit of you that is just acts on instincts and is just like, this is fucking annoying, and you know. Uh, yeah, I, w- I watched the video and it wasn't. It was really well aimed. <laughs> it was like he I actually know. he actually got the phone. Again, we're not we're not supporting yeah. people kicking anybody or any kind of assault or anything like that if it counts as assault. But it was a good kick. <laughs> he didn't seem to get the person's hand or the person. He literally just got the phone. I know that's what I mean. Like you didn't see the hand come up. It was just like yeah. Didn't yeah. Quite but yeah, someone probably lost their phone. Um, oh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't stand front row and do that. So therefore. I can't think how I would react if someone then kicked my phone. But out then, like, I guess if they were like drunk and maybe not thinking about it, I just mm. think like that immediate. It's a bit like if you tell someone to stop doing something multiple times and then they carry on doing it, then fair game. But like, but also, should you need to tell somebody to stop doing something when it's patently annoying? Just again, 
to show the other side. Yeah, of the but if they were drunk or something, maybe they didn't realise, and then they ended up with no phone. I just think like rock stars kind of get away with this stuff, and I don't think mm. that's okay. Like, oh well, you know, don't annoy me. Then it's like, well, what makes you better than all your fans? You know. Yeah, but if someone came and shone a light at me in my face while I was sat doing my work at Melhammer, I'd definitely slap the phone out of someone's hand. <laughs> I know, I would, I would. If someone was sat, like, if you yeah. imagine someone, you're working, like, you can have someone sat there with the light shining in your face. Yeah, I'd but slap. I think that's a bit different. Admittedly, I probably would turn around, well, yeah, probably not. I also really, I also stars. kind of, I'm also a bit wary of, like, was it really bothering him that much? He's already got a million lights shone in his face, being on a stage. Yeah, fair point, fair Does point. one little camera phone's light actually affect him? I, I, I don't know. Will we ever know? <laughs> what was Did he just want to kick out of their hand? I mean, because yeah. also like I mean, at the it, beginning of the video, you just saw like multiple people just filming it. Yeah. And then it was just one of them who's just like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get your phone. Fuck you. It's a hard thing, isn't it? Because, like, <laughs> we don't know like, if that's what he thought. We don't know. He it, might have just acted, you know. But yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's a knee jerk thing. Like, I mean, Rob Halford is hardly someone who's going to be pissed off and reckless on the, on the stage. Right? No, it's been sober like for 40 years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, it's just that thing at the moment, isn't it? it might, he might not have done it two minutes earlier or later. Sometimes you just, you just got to kick something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think you should be a bit mindful about how you act as well as how they act. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer to this, really, because it's just a bit of a weird situation. Mm. Probably, but probably inclined to stick up for Rob Alford because it's Rob Halford, which isn't really fair. <laughs> if it was nice, I didn't like very much. I might be a bit like, oh, that's me. Similar <laughs> things have happened though with phones. Not, I don't think anyone's kicked them, but people have like have like sat them out of hands or like told them to. Put them um, didn't someone at an, every time I die get a phone roundhouse out of their hands because mm, they point, tried yeah. to take a selfie on stage, yeah, yeah, which yeah. again I I think is too far along the, the spectrum. Yeah. You know, yeah, what you can do at a gig. Oh well, I imagine oh, well. no one will do it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take some quick questions then because we don't have much time now. Um, mm, 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 Aidan Delaney has asked, is Death Magnetic by Metallica overrated? Were we all just happy that it wasn't a St. Anger part two? Would you think Death Magnetic? I don't know if it is overrated. I think everyone just goes, yeah, Death Death Magnetic. That's solid. That's a solid album. When it came out, though, people were properly like, ugh, refreshing solos. (laughs) (laughs) You just see me make a wanking gesture, sorry. Why are you doing that in the workplace? No, don't you dare. Are you going to kick your gesture out of your hand? No. <laughs> I'll report you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think people... I don't remember people going particularly nuts over it. I know people were excited. And yeah, probably no, excited, I'm, but it uh, wasn't... Our com- relative competitors all get it going pretty much four marks. I don't know. I don't remember that far back in time. <laughs> I think it was ages ago, wasn't but it? No I've one... got a friend who thinks it's as good, and he specifically said this, as good as Ride the Lightning. Oh, shut up. But I don't think anyone, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks that, do they? They just think it's a good, solid, contemporary Metallica record. It's not really comparable does. to yeah, any no, other ones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I it's definitely a lot better than a lot lot better than Saint Anger. But I would say, I mean, I still love the day that never comes. I love all night long. It's a couple of other songs on there, but I would say um, that's a the first half, especially of Hardwired to Self Destruct, probably has about five 
songs at least that are way better than anything on Death by Netic. When you started naming all the songs though, then I was like, oh, I want to listen to it now. Yeah, it's good tunes in there for sure. <laughs> um, Rob asks, were there any pop bands you listened to when you were growing up that made you think, I don't like this genre anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Was there no, just I a point where you just broke my fuck this metal? All of them. I think for me it was like a, just a gradual phasing out as I listen to more metal and then now I still like some pop but some of it is horrible. I kind of just hate all the... I don't really like the dominant pop sound at the moment. The sort of um, ly- lyrics that are through a vocoder or... I don't know. I hate this, that soft... I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That kind of soft house thing yeah. that is on 99% of pop and dance music at the moment yeah. it's so um, I don't have a problem with like cheesy music or safe music or pop music or anything else I love loads of pop music but it's just so safe and so like I'd rather hear a song that, that I absolutely fucking hate because it's so bad than hear something that's beige yeah do you know what I mean that's just really like Ugh. yeah it's just like mm. a cheese sandwich not even a cheese sandwich a plain ham sandwich <laughs> less of that Plain ham is not as good as plain cheese, which um, is what you said. That's basically what I'm saying. I know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, finally, okay. Zach Wells asks, favourite non-metal music documentaries? I can think of a favourite, I'll be honest, but the last one that I watched was on Netflix. It was called The Creative Brain, and it was about this neuroscientist called David Eagleman, good solid <laughs> name, who talks about how we can become more creative and how it kind of all works so some of it, the documentary was like complete bullshit they had a lot of kind of it was sort of american style reality channel thing where there's just lots and lots of visuals and cutting away of people doing things and kind of going ideas like how do they work creativity and there was kind of a lot of preamble but there were some good thoughts as well like i made a few notes while i was watching it just because I thought there might be something good well, you in have this. about 20 seconds to go through them oh fine <laughs> Jerry but Ewan no, it was just like, Jerry Ewan from Pop Magazine is at that window and is about to tap us out to do a podcast. podcast oh dear no it was kind of like um, saying about uh, creativity doesn't mean making something from nothing it's about refashioning things that exist about associating sights and sound with memories about how our brains always remixing things which is pretty cool like and it was just kind of talking about like using like our neural pathways and they kind of want to go on the path of least resistance of what we've done before and how to kind of get out yourself a bit and like make your brain do more things and make your brain do novelty things so that it can kind of create ideas so i don't know it was quite interesting a bit different maybe i actually had some uh suggestions go 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 go. okay so um i watched loads of them just documentaries no descriptions the future is unwritten (laughs) which is about joe strummer it's really really good that's music that was not allowed no, non metal. Oh, right, so. Oh, fuck, I don't know. Music documentaries. Specifically, it was music documentaries. Um, oh, I'd also just... recommend. <laughs> Did I read the question? <laughs> I'd also recommend The Decline of Western Civilization, yes, which is about so. punk. And they do have a metal one, but the first one's really good. There's a documentary on Netflix at the moment called Danny Says, and it's about this um, PR guy who sort of was to do with the Stooges and like that New York scene throughout the 60s and 70s. What was that called? really interesting. Danny Says. Danny Says. So I'd definitely check that out. And the punk singer, because Kathleen Hanna is amazing. So I like punk. Excellent stuff, choices. Really. I've just written down uh, the Bros documentary, which yes. everyone saw last year and is amazing. Great. The, the Lady Gaga documentary on Netflix is really good. And the Amy Winehouse documentary that's just called Amy is really really good and really moving I can't believe I literally misread the question oh uh, you really did yeah. that is it for this week's <laughs> podcast next week 
we are going to be doing the big preview of the absolutely stacked download lineup. I can't believe it's downloaded next weekend already. It's going to be amazing. One of the best lineups I've ever put together. We're going to be picking through it and also picking out some of the smaller bands that you should be checking out at Donington if you're at Download next weekend. I can't believe uh, it's next weekend. No, it's going to be ah, good. Bring it on. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, it's facebook.com forward slash Metal if you want to come ask questions and hang out. Good one, Mel. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.